0: Smith and Jones, and Jonesy, unfortunately, it's not a pregame show for Game 7 of the first round against the Philadelphia 76ers, nor a preview for Round 2 against the Miami Heat. No, unfortunately, folks, it is a Smith and Jones Raptors season and postseason wrap-up show. We're still going to be around throughout (laughs) the NBA postseason, but, but, unfortunately, Jonesy, it's not good news as a couple of nights ago the Raptors bow out in six games to the 76ers, and putting a bow on the Toronto Raptors 2021-22 season, a bizarro season, a strange year that thankfully started back in Toronto at full capacity, then 50% capacity, then nobody in the joint, then a team that was or wasn't expected to maybe be in the play-in or the postseason goes on a run to 48 wins, a fifth seed through a bunch of injuries and COVID, like a lot of teams in the league had to deal with, and unfortunately they fall down 3 games to none. They put two on the Sixers. It looks like we're heading towards 7 and all of a sudden in the second half the wheels fall off. The Raptors get blown out and they bow out in 6.
1: And uh, Eric, I don't think we were the only ones expecting a game 7. Yep. I'll tell you why. This morning at 8:18 in my inbox for the email I got a notice from the scouting and statistical service that we use (laughs) with the sheet for today Raptors Philly game seven stats. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) And it has, right? And you got it too, right? (laughs) And it has the records at the top every, and it's got Toronto and it's got, you know, points per game and how many times they've been less than a hundred and shooting percentage and field goal attempts for a game. And then it's got Philly right beside it. I guess they thought we were getting a game seven too. Right. So, yep. um, yep. uh, a, a tough one. And it's the, it's, it's the sudden finality of it all, you know, two days ago, three days ago, we're talking about the potential of a game seven, and yesterday, everybody spoke, and I would venture that most of the guys that spoke yesterday have left town. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's just the way it is. It's it's the sudden, as I said, the sudden finality and or the sudden life. I mean, look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Same deal. They're at home, you know, ready to push it to Game Seven, and they give up forty points, a forty piece in the fourth quarter, and it's pack your bags, see you next season. So, look, you and I talked about this. We talked about it in the vlog. Um, Great season in some senses for Toronto. 48 wins. A first-round playoff experience against a former MVP and a potential MVP this year and a team with very high expectations. And you were punch for punch with them except for one quarter uh, in the deciding game. So... Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to hear Nick's take on things when he speaks and Masai's take, building for next year around the timetable. Um, and and Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr., uh, even Fred, Pascal, and OG in different roles all have something now to drive them, to write the name of the team that beat them on your shirt in the summer when you're working out to have those things to 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 motivate you to become a better player. So not to saying it's not going to happen next year, but you would hope that it's not going to happen in the same way.
0: Well, Jonesy, let's stay on that topic for a second in terms of what the future might look like for individual players, but for the team as well. Yesterday was locker clean-out day, and we had a chance to hear from Uh, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, O.G. Ananobi, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Precious Achua, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes. I believe I just hit all the guys. Eight players speaking yesterday. As you noted, we have yet to hear from Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri. I would imagine that will be probably sometime next week or in the next couple of weeks for sure for all of the gentlemen, including, uh, I would guess, uh, Bobby Webster as well um, but Van Vliet yesterday on the topic that you were just discussing the current state of the Raptors and what next season and what the future might look like had this to say well it's time it's time now
2: um, you know it's about as much building as we all want to do I think uh, we're we we have the pieces and now how do you put those pieces together um, can you add a few pieces around the board? Um, and then how do you make it work? How does it make most sense to be the most efficient, um, the most lethal team that you can put out on the floor? And I think we can definitely get better within without adding anything. So um, whether we add some more shooting or a big, you know, that would obviously help. But I think the team that we have right now, if we just played a little bit better and, and, smarter and more you know I think we can use our strengths a little bit better and that's something that we'll address as players you know in the off season and try to come back um next year and just it, it's it's uh it's weird to be in, in a such a up in the air season where nobody thought you're going to be any good but you know you're good and so we were playing for a championship but it was kind of free basketball, so to speak. So I think coming back with a singular mind, singular goal in mind, I think that will help and um, let us all fall into our roles and um, be the most effective team we can be.
0: I don't know if I can say it any better than than what Fred just said, Jonesy, because it's kind of what, um, you know, at, at the risk of breaking my arm, patting ourselves on the back here, I think it's what we've been saying all year. I think what a lot of fans have probably said as well. They were a good team. They are a good team. They're better than some people think or thought they were. But what are their flaws currently? Their flaws are they could probably use at least one other shooter. And in spite of the flexibility of their roster and how great that is and how much of a weapon that is to have such flexible players and multi-position players and to have those unique lineups, they probably could use at least one more big and more of a traditional big, which we saw in the series against Philly when push came to shove whether it was DeAndre Jordan playing for 10 seconds guarding an inbound pass, or was it with Joel Embiid and just his sheer size and strength down in the post, you could probably use another body. But that doesn't take away from all of the other things that you do have and all the other strengths that you did show in that series and that entire season. And maybe the greatest strength being the chemistry, the cohesion of a core that's been together for a while now and a core that has been bolstered by two good young players one very good one in Scotty Barnes, another one that could be very good in Precious Achua. And then what do you do to kind of tweak it and build around it, but not obviously at a point where you're blowing it up? You don't need to blow it up. You've got a good foundation. How can you add to this and improve upon it going ahead next year and beyond?
1: And, and Eric, there's, it's, it's, uh, it's fraught with landmines when you think about it because you're right. Vegas had the over-under at 36-and-a-half. This team won 48 games, Eric, 48 games, and that's including three losses to Detroit and two to Orlando. Um, and, And I guess the cautionary side of things would be, and it's interesting because I want to talk to Doug about this. We're going to have Doug Smith on in a minute. The cautionary side of things would be, hold on a second, manage the expectations and it was the Raptors have always balanced development and winning. But if you get a 43 or 44 regular season total next year in terms of wins, what are the expectations in the postseason? Like I'm sure it's second round and Fred's like, yeah, time to go for it. We built enough, but you always want that mentality, but think about how long it took them and what they had to go through to get the first championship from 2014 to 2019 and the moves that had to be made and the trades and the development and developing guys who may, might not be here when they win a championship the next one because they've been moved for other pieces. So I, I love Fred's thought process. It's it's the same as everybody else's, but we know things aren't linear. So as much as everybody, and, and the other part of the attitude too, Eric, and we say this all the time and something I've learned from veteran NBA people, you don't get to start in, in, in the sixth position in the poll next year. You mm-hmm. gotta, you gotta go back down and qualify. There's training camp. There's preseason. There's regular season. You gotta go through the ups, the downs, the injuries, the, the losing streaks, the winning streaks, and then see where you're at on the poll come playoff time uh, avoid the play in like all of those things. And, yeah, and I agree with Fred, I, 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 I'm the same way. And we all want that. Like, come on, let's get back to the playoffs. you said in one of your emails to our, our, you know, to the bosses next year, when we were talking about, you know, a quick summary of the review, come on, let's get to next year. I'm like, yeah, let's get to next year. But (laughs) we, we know it doesn't happen like that, right? Like you don't go to the gym two times, run around the track, lift weights and say, I'm in shape. Uh, at least, well, I do, but I know that doesn't work. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It, it, it's it's going to be interesting.
0: Well, and what's the example we used all year? We referenced it many times, and we'll do it again right now. Atlanta goes from conference finals to play in and play-in. bounced in the first round. The and, Knicks and, go from
1: and, yeah the Knicks go from first round, what four or five seed to out of the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Cleveland goes from nothing to the play-in. Toronto goes from nothing to the 6th seed. Like you just Fifth it's seed. so unpredictable. 5th seed, sorry. It's so unpredictable.
0: Yeah. It is. It is. All right. Well, uh, I'll let you start with him cuz you said you wanted to bring something up right off the bat, but we bring into the conversation a uh, veteran writer from the Toronto Star, author as well, and we always love chatting with a, a day oneer. I got a couple of day oneers on the line with me, Jonesy and from the start, Doug Smith. Smitty, how are you?
3: Okay, guys. How are you,
1: Smitty? You and I are the two old guys in the Muppet Show up in the balcony now. So um, I've been that um, way for I'm 20 gonna, years, babe. <laughs> me, me and you, me and you both, big daddy. Me and you both. So I'm going to turn to you, and I won't use my Muppet voice and say. What do you think about next year? You heard Fred's comments about okay, we built enough time to get going, but we know, and that's the attitude, prevailing attitude from the team. Uh, management probably saw things and in, in in a got a good look at things, um, but you rarely go from first round ouster to uh, let's 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 win it in the finals. Give me your take on next. Reflect on this year, Doug, and give me your take on next year going forward. And managing expectations because they may have been, and depending on your degree, slightly or or grossly exceeded this year.
3: Yeah, I think they accelerated the the growth process tremendously this season. I know that at the start of the year, talking to Bobby and Mazai, it was okay. Let's we don't know. Let's see what we got. We think we'll get better. We need to improve. We're not there yet. The, the roster's not there yet. The individual players are not there yet. But let's see how much better we can be in the in the spring as as they were in the fall, and they were they were far better in April and uh, March than I think they thought they would be at the start of the year. So that, there's got to be a lot of promise going into next year. But still, like you said, Jones, you have a lot of work to do. Like this is certainly not a complete roster, and no one ever pretended it was for the entire season. But right. the foundation is for much further along today than I think they thought it would be.
0: Smitty, we could go through the the, the entire roster and we won't (laughs) position by position, player by player. But there's one that stands out, maybe two actually, that stand out that were key cogs not for the entire season because one wasn't even here and one struggled mightily. But by the time February rolled around, they were both key cogs in the late season and certainly in the series against the Sixers. What do you think Toronto does with free agents, Thaddeus Young, and with no disrespect to him, even more so, Chris Boucher. I
3: I, I can't see them. I can't see them both being back. I, and I know it sounds harsh, but in the in the harsh world of the NBA, I think you need to improve that front court a little bit, and that might be one of the roster spots that you can do it at. I got, and I I think Boucher will be back because I think the Raptors love him. Mm. and They've seen all his development, and that was great. He, he was a good addition late in the year solid veteran, but I'm not sure you need an undersized big sixteen years into the league for this team right now. And money would be an issue. And whether they get him you know that I think made fifteen million dollars this year. He's not gonna get that next year anywhere on the market. So maybe there's a money way that they could make that work. But I would be surprised if both of them were back and I think it's more likely that Boucher is
1: hmm, interesting. Um Doug you know, in one of your stories today, you talked about improving from within. Okay, outside help. Kind of tricky. Um, yeah. W- w- I mean, where, I mean, like, you need some outside help, Doug. You you need some. No, I mean, you c-
3: absolutely.
1: Precious is going to get better. They're going to work out this summer. Toronto does a fantastic job with their development. But it's getting, you know, a guy that could guard an Embiid or a Jokic or a DeAndre Ayton or, you know, like... Like one of those guys, like that's the tricky part.
3: Yeah, that is a tricky part, and and I understand the the need, the thought that well they need a big body to guard those three guys, two of whom they play twice a year, and the other one who they beat beat more often than not. So I'm not sure that that's the dire need right there. They need to they need to find some shooting, and whether it's that Achua becomes a better shooter, Barnes becomes a better shooter. Fred plays the whole year at a high shooting rate. But they need to find some guys who can come off the bench and make three pointers. And they don't have that. And whether you find a, a, a ten year veteran, you can pay the mid level or a big chunk of that nine and a half million dollar mid level to fill in that two three backup role, I think that's gotta be the first place they look. Because that was the flaw of this team. They played they played fast. For being undersized, they guarded very well. They guarded, you know, uniquely. In, in in different systems than maybe we've seen, but it was successful at times, and I think it could be continued to be successful, but I don't think they can go into next year without adding some scoring, some shooting and that's I don't think that's a very it's really not uh, revolutionary thinking because everybody saw it all year.
0: speaking with Doug Smith from the Toronto Star Smitty, let me stay on that path. You and I were sitting there yesterday, listening jonesy you know as well you know watching this locker cleanout stuff and Pascal Siakam noted that he wanted to Work on a few things in the offseason But at the top of his list was his three-point shooting Precious obviously became a better three-point shooter uh, A three-point shot taker Let alone maker this season overall um, You know, compared to his Miami days um, Would that be enough With Pascal's improvement You hope, you assume he improves With Precious, with Scotty, Those three guys Or to the point you just made Do you still need to address it by bringing in At least one other guy
3: I think you need to address them with, with ads. I think those three guys could get better, but I, I will I think everybody should be warned. The leap the precious that Chua took this year is unlikely to match the leap he'll take next year. It's
1: right. hard.
3: It, it, it's, yeah. it's relatively easy to go from nothing to a little bit. It's ten times harder to go from a little bit to a lot. Because teams guard you differently, your reputation in the league is different. And, you know, there are a lot of shots that Precious got this year because he was precious to Chua, and teams would let him take them. That's not going to happen as often next year. It's exponentially harder to go from good to great than it is from average to good.
1: Okay, so, Doug, that in mind, and that's what – I guess that's where I started, and I'll kind of bring it back to that. The Raptors aren't – and I don't know if they snuck up on anybody this year. I mean, the way they played – how hard they played, the system that Nick had in place. I mean, you could see them coming and still not stop them. But how much does that change next year? How much do people in this league start looking at, hey, Toronto's got something going with the length there, and start they start kind of using, you know, they go rent a car. They Avis takes what Hertz did and, and kicks their butt with it. <laughs> like, how much do people start doing some of the stuff that Toronto did And they're not sneaking up on people next year. And they're more of a known commodity. The same way you talked about Precious, maybe not getting what he got this year because of a better awareness. How much does a team have to be cautious of that next year? Because there's optimism abound right now.
3: Oh, no question. And and, and there should be. Uh, Let's get that right out there. This is a very good team, a very good foundation of what could be a very good team. Maybe two years from now, probably better next year, but, you're right. You're not going to be able to sneak up on people at all. And people will be far more cognizant of Barnes, Achua, Trent Jr., whose play at the end of the year was, you know, he was great right off the bat. At the end of the year, he was okay. But that's because people started paying a bit more attention to him. So I think the sneaking up is not going to be easy at all, but they do play hard. And in an 82-game season, if you play hard every night, you're going to win a lot of games against teams that may be better talented, but don't play as hard. And that's got to be still the their calling card next season.
0: Smitty, what do you think happened to Toronto in that series against Philly then, to the point you were just making about playing hard? I'm not saying that they didn't play hard, but there was – I mean, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, you were sitting six feet from me yesterday. I think you were the one that kind of said it to Pascal. And I'm paraphrasing your own words – they got beat prettily handily in, in games one and two. It was Nip and Tuck could have gone either way in games in game three. They won games four and five, but then they got the doors blown out in the second half of game six. How can you be so different in terms of one, two, and the second half of six versus what you showed in three, four, five?
3: Well, you know, Eric, sometimes it's just simply effort. Games one and two, they got overwhelmed because a lot of guys, yeah. Trent was sick, a chew was new, and Young got hurt. So that and Barnes got hurt. So one and two were a, a mix of them not being quite ready for what was presented at them, and the reaction to losing a bunch of guys in rapid succession. I think Nick used the word discombobulated them for two games, and it did. Game six in the second half, they couldn't keep the ball in front of them, and that was just a de- that was just terrible defensive letdowns. It was it was. Maxie and Harden getting past the initial defense and then dumping the ball off to Embiid or finding Green or Tobias Harris in the corner for threes that they made. So I think that the second half of, of game six was more, more effort and the cumulative effect of the six-game series and the little bit of def- defensive deficiencies that get you on, the, on your heels. Raptors got to play always with this group. They got to play on the front foot. And they were on the back
1: foot for that entire second half. Yeah, uh, Doug, and I, I thought uh, to their credit, um, Philadelphia came out really aggressive early, and they were playing on the catch, and playing quickly. And I don't, I didn't think the Raptors got time to get their 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 defense and their footing set to come at them with double teams or what. Like Philadelphia was, no. uh, they were all playing like Tyrese Maxey in the first quarter. Get it, go, yeah. and then we'll, we'll, and 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 that was. I think that was an adjustment that Philadelphia made, and and you know they gave up a thirty-four point first quarter, and then it's like you said, it seemed like the same thing happened in the third quarter. Couldn't keep people in front of them, and then the offensive woes, not being able to make shots because they couldn't keep up by scoring. I mean that that was their undoing. So right, um, yeah. I, 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 let me, let me ask you about Philly. How far do they go? I know we're talking about Raptors here, but do you see this team? Being able to get past Miami,
3: certainly not. If Embiid misses significant parts of the series with this orbital bone and the minor concussion, no, I don't think they could beat Philly or beat Miami if they got all their guys healthy. Miami is unrelenting, and they're deep, and they play defense, and they've been through. They've been there, they know it, and I think they'll just they'll just beat them up. I, I, I thought that even with Embiid, if the Sixers could get that series of six games, I would have been shocked. And I don't think it's going to go – it might go five if Mb doesn't play.
0: Speaking with Doug Smith from the Toronto Star. Smitty, going to let you go in a couple of minutes here, but seeing as Jonesy just brought it up here, uh, I, I, you know, Doug, I apologize on there ahead me. of time. I'm, I'm dragging you into this, okay? I'm dragging you into this. Uh, uh, all, all right. We'll see, we'll, see, we'll see what you have to say about it. Chicken and screaming. E- Let's go. Even though, even though it's, it, it's on the other network, I'm still coming to the defense of our, our collective friend, Jack Armstrong, and obviously our guy Matt Devlin as well. Very quickly to give you the backstory, story, folks, I can tell you that on the radio call that Jonesy and I had, Jonesy, we talked about Embiid being a one-way tough guy. We talked about him being a front runner. Your line that you used multiple times in the series about him being the biggest guy on the floor, but the one that's literally on the floor all the time. We talked about the shots that he delivered, high elbows. Forearms, the physicality at which he played and trying to get away with stuff and then flopping the arms and flailing and, and anytime he got breathed on. So when he got hit by Pascal the other night, I still believe, Jones, you said it live on the air as well. It was a basketball move, it was a basketball play. And players are taught to come and protect themselves, protect the ball, and sometimes the elbows come swinging. Pascal did not intentionally hurt Embiid. Embiid went down hard. It's unfortunate that it resulted in an in a, in a orbital bone fracture. It, it's unfortunate that it resulted in a concussion. But the dude, Doug, was on the floor hugging his friend and his countryman, Pascal Siakam, at the end of the game, embracing him. Great series, great series. Good luck next round, Embiid. Uh, like, they were cool with one another. The fact that Jack and Matt are taking heat on social media from Philly fans and Philly media and whatever for the fact that Jack simply on the air said, that's karma. Like, nobody knew, Doug, that he was hurt that way, and it was a basketball play. Do you agree with any of that or all of that? I was, it was a simple drive, and he got hit in the head, and
3: it's too bad he got hurt. But there was nothing to it. I was shocked that they reviewed it for a playman. I was shocked that they overturned the call to an offensive foul from a defensive foul. He went up and he hit him. And that makes two bad. of us, people, Smitty. People get hit. and that's,
1: That makes two of us, yeah.
3: And it, it sucks, and it's, I feel Embiid is an extremely talented player. Who is the worst front runner I've seen in a long time.
4: Because when things
3: <laughs> go south for him, they don't get back north very quickly. But if he's north, he likes to go further north. But if they start going south, they go south and they go south fast. And I love him as a player. He's tough, he's big, he's probably gonna finish second in the MVP balloting this year. He's had a great year. But he's a front runner. And that's he has been, in my opinion, forever. The the, the series in nineteen, when he's high, you know, airplaning down this down the Court in philly and in toronto he was a non-factor he's an absolute front runner great player but a front
1: runner well, jonesy the, <laughs> yeah no i'll just i know we're gonna go but i'll just bring it back to where i started with smitty and i the two old men in the chair at the muppet show and for you youngsters that don't know just go and google it and and, and uh and, and i think that i think that they were they were actually close to Doug's complexion and mine too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, I agree, Doug. I said that on the radio broadcast all the way through. I mean, you couldn't hear it because you were in the arena and you were concentrating on other things, but, um, he's, he's a terrific player and he's the kind of guy that is scary in the NBA because he can play like a little guy, but he's got the size of a big guy. And if he ever decided to, uh, to really apply himself, get into great shape, he would be, Literally unstoppable. But uh, yeah, I, and just, I, I, don't, I didn't just, think there was anything, nothing no. malicious about what Pascal did. Nothing at all.
3: No, no, it was a hit in a basketball game. It happens basically in every game it's played. And it's unfortunate that a guy got hurt, and that sucks for him. But so what? Tough. Bad break. Bad break. you got to live with breaks.
0: <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, there is no, Doug Smitty. Smith. There is Doug Smith and Paul Jones. Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. My guys, two old dudes (laughs) on the Muppets. There we go.
3: (laughs) Smitty, thanks for the time. All right, guys, we'll talk to you down the road.
0: There is right, Doug Smitty. Smith from the Toronto Star. Before we take the break, Jonesy, uh, talking to, to to Santos here for a second. Let's we'll get to Chris Boucher later on in the show. But seeing as we were just talking about Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid, hey, the the leadership that Pascal showed over the course of this series, being the go to guy, having to lead the squad first without Scotty Barnes. Then without Fred Van Vliet having to bounce back himself after having one rough game where he was suddenly getting called out again. Didn't matter that he was all-world, all-NBA for three, four months and, and was the best player in the series for the Raptors. Suddenly he had one bad night, and boom, the critics came out of the woodwork again. But he came back, and he was Toronto's best player over the last couple of games of the series. And how does he change for the better and to do more going forward, to, to continue to improve over the course of his career here is pascal siakam discussing yesterday locker cleanup day on learning to become a leader
5: i think for me like i'm probably asking myself those same questions right like trying to trying to figure out how i can be helpful and 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 i think just like with my personality it's not it's definitely not easy um to to be in those positions like not really feeling that comfortable and 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 you know to be that that person that's gonna, you know, like talk and, and do all these things. But I think that what I've learned um throughout this process is just that um sometimes me just going out there and giving everything that I have and playing my, my heart out and and um having fun and enjoying the game is enough. Like like all me coming in the first in the gym and and putting the work in and, and sometimes for me it just feels like a routine, right? But like everyone else is looking at it. Like and people will mention it and it's like you know, you know that they're watching it, and, 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 and for them it's like the younger guys that we have, you know, you know, I hope that they probably take something from it. You know, I think that for me like, that's kind of like what I've learned is just that sometimes it's not just always about like just going out there and being vocal. It's just about like doing the right things and, and doing like, you know, playing with, with passion and and, 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 and and being the leader on the court in terms of just like playing the game like and, and, and putting everything into it is, is sometimes enough.
0: There is Pascal Siakam. Uh, again, the Raptors bowing out, of course, in round one to the 76ers. Philly, Miami, uh, game one going on Monday. Today would have been game seven. Would have been seven o'clock or eight thirty tonight. But unfortunately for the Raptors, the offseason begins, and uh, much to discuss about the Raptors, as we just did with Doug Smith. We'll get Mark Spears' take on the Raptors and maybe look uh, quickly around some other series in the NBA as well uh, when he joins us next from ESPN. Mark Spears on tap on Smith and Jones. <laughs> Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith-Paul Jones with you. Uh, We're hoping to be joined by Mark Spears from ESPN and the Undefeated shortly. Uh, Once we track down Spears, he will get him into the conversation. Hopefully we'll track him down before the end of the show because we always love chatting with him, but I know it's busy right now. Uh, with the NBA postseason in full tilt. And uh, I know he's bouncing all over uh, the U.S., covering a whole bunch of different series and storylines and whatnot. In fact, he had a chance to speak with Scotty Barnes in the last few days and uh, talk to Scotty uh, about winning Rookie of the Year and his rookie campaign overall, and uh, just some of the uh, goals, some of the benchmarks, some of the mantras that Scotty continued to try and follow and, and practice and preach. Over the course of the season, so we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to Mark Spears about that. But uh, Jonesy, one of the guys that we were mentioning uh, on our own prior to chatting with Doug Smith, but then we also brought it up in our conversation with Smitty, uh, that is Chris Boucher, uh, the 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 young vet or the 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 veteran player that's still quite young in terms of his experience overall, and he continues to show that he continues to improve and grow uh and And finding his niche and his role within this league, let alone uh within um uh you know his 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 career overall and uh Boucher uh, had this to say about his off season ahead and free agency coming for the canadian
2: I haven't thought about it honestly to be honest with you um season was, i mean it's hard to play an whole season and think about it it can affect your game and also um, I'll think about it more in um, the next few days, but um, you know, like I said, I think um, I did a good job just to you know put myself and and you know my my family and everybody that worked and helped me out to get to this point. Um, I think we're in a good position for ourselves and just making sure that we do the right decision for for all of us. Cause like I said, I'm not alone in this and. Like I said, I love Toronto. Toronto did a lot for me. Um, From the young player I came here that didn't know much to who I am now, I owe it all to Toronto.
0: There is Chris Boucher talking about his future. And, uh, again, future as a free agent coming up this summer, an important piece for the Raptors, and we'll see how things play out with Boucher. Uh, A guy that knows Chris Boucher from his time with the Warriors as well, uh, covering things in in Oakland and Golden State and uh, all over the league. Again, from ESPN and Anscape and his latest on Scotty Barnes at uh, Anscape.com. You can check it out. Uh, I'll retweet the link later, but it was a a fabulous piece, and we always love chatting with Mark Spears. Spearsy, thanks for the time today.
4: What's happening, man? I yeah, uh, thought you'd be on uh, a trip to Cancun by now. Relax.
1: <laughs> nah. Hey, maybe, so, Monday. Hey, man, maybe some, Monday. Some of us, some of us still got to work, and I'm just lining this up now. I know I got a room at Mark's place. You just fix up the spare room at your place for Eric, because if, if Golden State makes it to the finals, we crash in.
4: you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> You're gonna be sitting on your couch watching it from home, man. You ain't going nowhere.
1: And uh, that's how you, you do me, huh? That's how you do me, huh?
4: Yeah, you, hey man, you, you, you always you got always got a available room at Casa de Spears. Right, don't all worry right. about it. Well, and, here, and you here's, got here's, to here's a my house in Sacramento too.
1: <laughs> I know that. I I know that. And and it's it's not very far back and forth on that drive. Here's here's what I wanna ask you, Mark, after you do After your fantastic piece uh, with Scotty Barnes, um, what's this guy's ceiling? Where do you think he is in terms of projection extrapolating down the road as, as a cornerstone with Toronto? And people will say, well, he can't shoot. Everybody can work on their shooting when they come into the league. But, man, this kid, Eric and I have watched him for a whole year. He's got every other tool in the bag right now.
4: You know what, I think the thing that really impressed me is that he's just hungry, uh, doesn't feel like, uh, you know, he's made it and he wants to be special. Uh, he showed me the list on his phone uh, that's on his lock screen of his goals. And and it's basically to be one of the best players in the NBA. To de- like, to, one of his goals is to destroy my teammates in practice. Like, who says that, right? Like, he wants to just... I mean, that's how important for him it is is to compete, to grow. And um, I I just think that, um, you know, I I know people in Canada and Toronto specifically feel like, uh, you know, people in the States kind of miss out on, on Raptors players in a lot of ways. But we know who he is, man. I mean, that kid he's He's just like a man child, right? <laughs> almost like he just uh, like he just looks like he's so young and just so so much zest for life and so much joy, but when he gets on the court, man, he's ready to go, and the one thing that I saw too that was impressive is the age of well, we want to rest you for the future you know this kid played hurt, mhm. I saw him limping yeah. after Game Five in Philadelphia. He played hurt. He cared enough to come back, and so my my yeah. I mean I could go on and on gushing about him. And I, I think he he's just he's going to be All Star. He's going to be special. And, and kudos to Masai and Raptors from an office for Bobby. You could easily say, well, we got Pascal, we don't need a player like that. No, they picked the best player available, and he ended up being rookie of the year.
0: Hey, Mark, I I told this story earlier in the year, and I think Jonesy had a a similar experience or or had something similar at some point over the course of the season. First time I ever met Scotty, and and Jonesy and I didn't travel this year for the radio broadcast, so we didn't get a chance to know him as well as perhaps we've known other players over the the years. First time I met him in training camp, I could have been, and, and, and this is what to me stands out about him as a person when you talked about him being just that young kid, that, 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 that young man child, and how humble he still is, and I hope he stays that way. I could have been like the cleaning staff at the practice facility. I could have been some friend of Nick Nurse's. I could have been just some schmo off the street that won a contest. He walked over to me, just saw me sitting on the sidelines. I'm just some random dude and walked up and said, hey, how you doing? I'm Scotty Barnes. And I stood up and shook his hand, introduced myself, and told him who I was. He had no clue who I was. And just the fact that it was this kid in training camp, his first NBA, and it's like, that's somebody I don't know, and I'm going to pay – like, just the, the respect as a human being of going over to acknowledge this person, to introduce myself, to say hello. And that's what I think the fans, Mark, got a sense of with Scotty this year, too. That as good as he is on the court, he's also this kid off the court that's smiling, that's laughing, that's hugging teammates, that's talking about just spreading love and cheer. It's sort of like a, I don't know, it's rare in, in an athlete in today, especially in today's multimedia age, to have that human connection seemingly with so many people.
4: Well, now he's rookie of the year. He ain't going to say nothing to you anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 no, nah, I'm joking, man. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't see him as a guy that changes, right? You know, uh, it it is funny because inevitably success, and you, I see this with Steph Curry. Like, I knew Steph. I would tell people I knew Steph when he was – second fiddle to Monte Ellis when his ankles were bad, right? So I, I I'd known him for a long time, but he's still the same guy. He still goes out of his way to say hello. He still does special things on and off the court. Um, it's it's inevitable when you are, become a star that things change and mostly it's because things change around you. Everybody else acts differently and now they're, they're going to give him the world, you know? But you know, from his humble beginnings, which I think, you know, in time, I, I know a lot about his story, and um, I think he'll be comfortable telling it, P- perhaps not now. Um, but he, um, he just, you could tell that there's just a lot of humility to him and a lot of appreciation for being on this level. He's probably a guy that kind of pinches himself a lot, but he also is a guy that I could tell has confidence in himself and knows that he he put the work in. He definitely put the work in to achieve this. I mean, yeah, he's tall. Yeah, he's got a, a lot of skill for his size. But he's gonna get better. I, I think now he's just scratching the 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 uh, the uh, just giving us a taste of what he could potentially be. But like he's a, he's got like LeBron size and a lot of skill, and he's got to get better as a shooter. And I, I expect him to, because he's going to put the work in, you know. Um, and he's going to be a force. Definitely going to be a force in this league for a long time.
1: Oh, uh, I, we think so in Toronto, Mark. We we and it's funny because Eric and I just kind of needle the, needle the fans like to poke the bear because everybody thought there should have been another pick made and. And uh, you know, we we always say you don't get your GM credentials by watching the NCAA tournament for a couple of weeks. And and, and look, yeah. Scotty's a culture guy. He's a culture guy, right? Like Leonard yeah. Hamilton guys, and there are so many of them around the league. Terrence Mann, Patrick Williams, like you get you get a character kid that that play like that's that's Coach Hamilton. So um, you know, we we were okay with the pick right from the jump. But Mark, you mentioned something there that really kind of piqued my interest when you said they looked and said, well, we have Pascal, we don't need a guy like this. How much do you think the Raptors' philosophy of long, athletic, interchangeable parts is something now that other people are going to look at and say, hey, you know, maybe we copy some of this because we know how the league is. As soon as something starts to work for one team, yeah. everybody else says, well, hey, l- hey let's try it out. Nick, they laughed at Nick Nurse in 2019 when he played the, as Steph Curry would call, the janky defense. But you don't play box and one in the NBA Finals, Matt. What are you doing? And Nick said, well, if it's going to work, I'm going to play it. Now we see other teams doing it. And I'm looking at what Toronto's doing now, and how long till we see other teams doing that same kind of stuff?
4: Well, you know, I, I do, do see teams kind of mimicking what um, Toronto does from a length standpoint, right? Uh, you, you're seeing it in Minnesota. You're seeing it in Cleveland. Um, And and I think you'll see more of that because when you see, like, a small guard like a Steph, um, like a Fred Van Vliet, oftentimes now they're like, go put that 6'7 guy on. (laughs) Because that's the, you know, the best way to bother them is length that can move their feet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think Raptors, there's a sense that no matter what, you need to take the best player on the board. And I think that came... Uh, Nicola Nikola Jokic uh, was selected, I think they had an opportunity to trade up and get him. This is kind of what I've heard. Um, they didn't because, uh, you know, Marcus, saw we got surge. We're good. You know, we got side, So we we don't need to trade up. We're fine. You know, we're we're just gonna draft for need and I think after that and obviously you see what Joker's doing now since then I think the Raptors have had a mentality of we need to draft the best player on the, the board no matter what and figure it out and I think that's just smart it's just smart like he, he, that's what the coach is for man I, if I'm a coach I want the best talent I'll figure out how to play the dudes right <laughs> like, And and now in this world of basketball you know, players are just more, um, skilled. Um, you, you don't really, they're, they're kind of starting to become, I think 10 years from now, basketball is going to be position less. I'm actually, I remember a couple of years ago talking about the, um, you know, the, the, the center was extinct. I actually think it's more to power forward. Um, uh, but I wonder as, as the bigs get more and more and more skilled, a smaller guard. If I could have a 6'5 to 6'8 guy do point guard stuff, shooting guard stuff I want somebody 5'11 unless they can shoot like Steph. Hmm. I, I just think right. this league right. is just going to um, in time just be more not only more skilled but it's just going to give the advantage to the taller player and, and you're going to see uh Guys in the court where it's probably even less and less uh, likely in the future that you're going to see uh, small guards have an impact unless they're just very special.
1: Yeah, no, I, Mark, I agree. And it's always been said that uh, skill level equal a good, a good big beats a good little any day. And, you know, yeah. I, I remember 10 years ago, Eric and I taking calls 15 years ago, And I said, oh, just give me a big man. I can find any little guy to get him the ball. And people were like, well, you need good guards. Yeah, you need good guards. But back in that era, if you didn't have, you know, a a guy like a Shaq or, you know, a big man, and the game has evolved now. And it's the same thing. We're getting to the point where the better you are with the bigger frame you are, the more effective, productive, prolific you're going to be. And I, I, I totally agree with you. So, I'm I'm waiting for some of this stuff that Nick Nurse and the Raptors are doing to really be emulated throughout the league.
4: Yeah. No, they're um, – and I and I think they've uh, – sells well for the future too with the mixture of um, talent and vets. And, you know, I know Scotty will be better next year. Some of the young guys will be better next year. So, um I, I look forward to seeing, you know, what the Raptors do from now. Um, they actually—I I went to Game Five, and there appeared to be a lot of uh, confidence um, toward that team. Um, uh, that I, I actually felt like they were going to win. Last game. You know, obviously they didn't. Didn't get the result you expected, but. Uh, I feel really good about their future.
0: Hey Spearsy, we always appreciate your time throughout the season. Uh we're doing the show right through to the final, so maybe we have a chance to chat with you again at some point, but always appreciate you taking time throughout the year and uh we'll look forward to seeing you at some point down the road. All the best, man.
4: Let's do a show from Mark Jones home in Sacramento.
1: <laughs> Done. Hey, hey, hey we, Done. we, we, we call we call that we we call that uh whatever network living room. Because I said to him, I've said to him a time, so what network are you on tonight? And during COVID, he would say, I'm on like the, the worldwide leader. I said, which network? He said, ESPN bedroom. So ESPN hey, living room. So, hey, give him, give, so, him,
4: give him some stuff, man. He, has, he lives across the street from the most renowned black church in Sacramento, but yet he's never walked through the door. So give him, tell him. like, "Come on, man, go to
1: church, man. It's across the street." Hey, he your he he, he goes he goes to a church, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll push him to that one. You never know.
4: It's like literally across
0: the street.
1: I'm on him for that now,
0: Spearsy. Thanks, thanks for the time. I'm staying out of the religion conversation. I'm the last guy to talk on that, so I'm, I'm leaving that one alone. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. We'll I'll talk to you later, Spearsy. Have, have a great, good one and enjoy the postseason. There is Mark Spears from ESPN, and uh, we always love chatting with him. And uh, that's that's going to bring us pretty much to the to the end of the show, Jones. We've only got about a minute left here, uh, but we are, as I just mentioned, going to continue on with Smith & Jones right through to the NBA final. So as much as we may not have uh, a lot of Raptor chatter and Raptor conversation, lots to discuss about the association. So uh, when you next hear from us, We'll have a lot on round two and then certainly looking ahead to the uh, conference finals and the NBA championship as well. I'm looking out my window at the home office. I see four different kids on the street playing on three different hoops. So basketball is certainly alive and well, even with the Raptors out. It's still a game that uh, has come a long way over the uh, years and decades, Jonesy, to the point where, hey, Raptors might be out, but there's still a lot of love and passion for the sport and hence the reason we're going to keep this thing rolling.
1: I hear you, Eric, and, and, you know, you and I have talked about this when I, uh, you know, moved to the Burbs to raise a family in, in you know, 98, 99. Uh, there, were, there were very few hoops and driveways. Now, every driveway's got a hoop and a hockey net. And look at the kids we have coming out of Canada. And, you know, I, I, I can speak from experience now, my own child working uh, for the league and in the league, like it's, it's, I mean, to me, I'm a sports nut. I love them all, but I just have a special place in my heart for this game. It's the greatest game in the world to me. So uh, it's too bad that the Raptors are out, but that doesn't mean you and I still can't be, get the group chat going, texting back and forth and playing coach and GM from from the sidelines the way we always do, man.
0: Always do, and and we'll continue to do so as well. As I said, next time we hit the air, you'll have lots on the uh, conference finals, uh, the NBA championship, but more so round two as we get set uh, for the Bucks and the Celtics, the Warriors and the Grizz, the Heat and the Sixers, the Mavericks and the Suns. Man, I love all those series. I love all of them. Can't wait to talk about those. Can't wait to watch those thanks to Doug Smith, from the Toronto Star, and Mark Spears from ESPN for joining us on the show. for Matt Marchese and Josh Santos as well. From Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Thanks for tuning in to Smith and Jones.